One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, people who are listening to this recording. Uh, I am Matt. I am the D. I want to say DM, but that's not the right word here. The storyteller we'll go with for this uh, Pathfinder Second Edition uh, adaptation of the classic Pathfinder Adventure Path: Rise of the Rune Lords. This is the first Adventure Path that uh, Paizo did for the original Pathfinder game. Uh, they don't actually have a conversion for it, but but I'm you know, that kind of masochist and I'm doing it as we go, uh, which is, you know, it's not that hard, quite frankly. It's, it's mostly, it's all pretty similar and the stuff that isn't quite there, I can just sort of cudge. It'll be fine. But uh, before we get started, this is a session zero that we're doing and session zeros have become popular. They were adopted from the Magic the Gathering groups to a certain degree, as well as other role-playing games. And they spread out uh, across multiple games at this point. Basically, the purpose of Session Zero is for the group to come together, uh, work on some backstory, and set you know boundary conditions, for lack of a better word, as to what's really not something they're interested in seeing. And I'm not talking like, well, I don't want to see any vampires. I'm talking like, please don't put in X because I have a personal reason that it will freak me out, sort of thing. And um, so we're going to go through that kind of stuff together. Uh, I want my players to get to introduce themselves now and... This time we're going to go reverse order on Discord, Ooh. so we'll start with Phil. Yeah. <laughs> hi, uh, I'm Phil. I don't know what you want me to say here. Just say hi. Tell people your name and you know, yeah, that you, you know who you are. Yep, I'm Phil. I'm uh, probably the least decided on what I actually want to play so far because there are so many cool choices. Yeah, and that's one of the things we'll be trying to cover tonight. Uh, next up is Nick. Hey, everyone. My name is Nick, and I was going to take the mantle of the most undecided on what i wanted to play but i'll give that over to phil and i'll be okay with second place i can't decide whether or not i'm undecided exactly it's it's a it's a bold bold strategy let's see uh liz i don't think you need an introduction but i'm giving you one anyway hello i am liz and uh i am playing a rat folk alchemist and uh i've everything i've read about pathfinder says that if you're new to the game you shouldn't play an alchemist so i'm playing an alchemist i'm gonna do this yeah Get, get ready for her to break everything constantly. <laughs> uh, next up is Joe. Hi, you may remember me from other podcasts such as Tavern Watch, Lore Watch, Blizzard Watch. I exist in everywhere. Uh, and I am excited to play Pathfinder for the first time. I've been sitting on these books uh, and just kind of reading through them. And I, I, I'm i firmly decided on what I'm playing. So I'm good. <laughs> Uh, and finally, our, our ringer, our special guest, uh, again, needs no introduction, but I'm doing it anyway. Anne, say hi. Hi. I'm not a ringer because I've never played Pathfinder. <laughs> no one's played Pathfinder at this point except me. Um, I Thus far, 
I have decided that I am playing an elf rogue specifically because I, I am shocked. I am rogue shocked. <laughs> wow. And I figure, okay, maybe it won't be that hard to figure out. Also, I have so many dice. <laughs> so yes. I'm prepared. Well, here we go. Then um, first up, uh, I'll just lay out the things that I personally don't want to do as a as a, G, a GM for the game, so you guys will know where I'm thinking about, and if there's anything that you can think of afterwards, you can go ahead. Uh, I am going to... Any reference to anything like sexual assault, um, any of the crimes of that sort, uh, at best, I would be comfortable eliding that they happen, but I don't want them to be a part. Like, I don't want to have to talk about them. I don't want that to be a major deal. If there's a serial killer in the game or whatever, the serial killer is going to be not talking about what they're doing to the victims. That's just not something I want to deal with. Uh, I'm not a big fan of slavery unless the slavery people get destroyed. Like I'm totally okay with slavers getting destroyed. Otherwise I'm not big on a campaign where the players want to take slaves and stuff like that. That is not my, uh, those are the two really big ones for me. I'm totally comfortable with anybody else's. So I'm going to start with Joe. You have anything in particular that's a trigger for you that you just do not want to deal with? Um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, if something comes up, I'm more than happy to throw up a yellow card or a red card. That'd be uh, great. But let, it's actually it, go ahead and tell people what those are just so they know they can <laughs> use that. So one of the safety tools that was, it's been used for a long, long, long time, uh, but is really seen a adoption in more public spaces. Now, thankfully uh, is the idea of yellow cards and red cards. So if you've played soccer, um, or have any sort of passing knowledge of that. It's essentially the idea of, okay, a yellow card is a foul. It's, this is a, this is getting into sort of territory that is making me feel a little uncomfortable and maybe we should watch it or slow it down or change the terminology that's being used. Uh, a red card is a hard foul or a stop. This is, this is, I cannot deal with this. I do not want to deal with this. I, I need to step away or this needs to stop right now. Uh, there are safety tools and measure to let players sort of communicate very quickly uh, without having to raise their hand or make a big deal uh, of it and sort of give them a like control over sort of that, that interaction without having to worry too much about it. Yeah. Since we're doing this entirely online, uh, we're not there in person. Uh, basically I, I want us to adopt the red card, yellow card idea so that, you can immediately just say it and then you can, we can take it to DMS or whatever. So you guys can tell me exactly what's happening without you feeling pressured to reveal it to everyone. Uh, and you only, only have to tell me as much as you need to, to, to inform me that I can't do what I'm doing. Uh, but that's absolutely something I want in there from the big. Uh, so thank you, Joe. Is there anything like anything else you had to say before I move on? Uh, no, I'm just looking forward to really seeing how the system works more than anything else. Um, mm -hmm. and from a narrative okay. standpoint, we're interested where you're going to go because you and I differ very, very dramatically in our DMing styles. And I'm always interested mm -hmm. to see what you do. Yeah. Um, this will actually be the most, for lack of a better word, scripted I've ever been for this group. Uh, I've known you I've long thought, enough. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, there, there's module, but I'm actually going to be using it to a degree. So, but yeah. Okay. Uh, Liz, anything in particular you want to point out is something I, the group should avoid uh, trying to do? The the only thing that goes into yellow red territory for me is sexual assault, and you've already been there, so I think I'm good. Okay. Um, Anne, uh, you hit on the two things that I'm like, let's not do that. So All right, we're good. Uh, Phil, uh, no, I'm kind of in the same boat as Joe, where I don't. Uh, there's not a whole lot I can think of right now, but I'm more than comfortable throwing up a card if something does. Uh, Absolutely. Start to, um, to yeah. do. If anything comes up and, you know, maybe you didn't even know you had a problem with it, but, you know, I mentioned the Roach Lords and you're like, oh, can't do the Roach Lords. Uh, you know, please let me know. Um, I will I will change them to something else. Okay. Uh, Nick? Uh, I'm going to go with the clean sweep of what you said earlier regarding sexual assault. Um, mm -hmm. As for anything else, I will be happy to throw up the yellow or red card as appropriate. I can't really think of any now, but I'd also yeah. like to... It's a little on the spot, I understand. Oh, yeah, yeah, And I think I'd like to say, like, to you all as players as well, that I try to be as introspective and reflective as I can. So if I happen to, in the course of playing, happen to say anything and or do anything, please, please, please shoot me a message. I will always try and be, like, as cooperative and collaborative as possible. Yeah, and that's a good note for everybody, uh, especially me as the as the GM. I need to be thinking about how to do that as well. Um, I'm also trying right now 
to slow myself down a little bit because I'm talking very quickly. And that's because I'm excited because once we get through session zero, I can start working on planning out the first adventure, which I want to do as quickly as possible because I really want us to get to starting on playing Pathfinder because it's a fun game and I'm excited for it. <sighs> One of the things I want to do here, and I hope you guys are interested in trying to do so, is I want to really come up with the adventure starts in the town of Sandpoint. That is the start of the adventure. It's, in a, it's a small fishing village. Uh, it's in Verizia, which is a monster haunted place, let's say. It's uh, got a lot of interesting local stuff going on. I don't, you, you guys can have any reason you want as to why your character is in Sandpoint, but I want us to spend some time and during this session zero working out, you know, what our character concepts are, if, if possible, if you guys need more time, that is fine. What they're doing in Sandpoint and how they become a band. Because in Pathfinder, there's actually a mechanical way to handle parties. Like parties aren't just, oh, hey, we met in a bar. Let's, let's just hang out and do stuff. There's actually a, a guild called the Pathfinder Society, and you can register your party with the Pathfinder Society, and they, they take down your, your party name. No one else can use it once you've <laughs> done that. And you actually can go to Pathfinder Society places in every city and get some kind of support, even if it's only just information about the area. And as a result of doing this, you're kind of like given extra national status where you can go from nation to nation with, a, with much less red tape and so forth. Um, it is, it's sort of like being part of a cartographer society or the national geographic society, except with a lot more monster fighting. Uh, <laughs> so that that's something I want to like kind of work on. Like when we start our first actual game session, your characters will be in an already approved group and essentially we're going to be doing that either during this session zero or through emails to set that up, that that's that you guys will be coming up with a name. We'll be coming up with what your group is doing in Sandpoint or like what your character is doing in Sandpoint. Joe, I think right now you are the only person who knows what they want to do. That is. Uh, and Anne said, Anne said she's pretty sure she's doing an, an Elven Rogue. Yeah. So uh, I guess the idea that I really wanted to go with is I really wanted to play a monk in Pathfinder, mostly because I'm always intrigued on how different systems do that or how they sort of work with that um monks in fifth edition of DD we've talked about before sort of can break games um for me i want to see how balanced it is as far as pathfinder goes and the fact that i can p play a uh a, what is a uh, essentially a frog man a gripply uh <laughs> just makes me even more more happy so uh, I decided that I wanted to play a Gripply Monk, a Sticky Toe Gripply Monk uh, to be in particular, uh, who is a background of wanderlust. He wants to experience the world. Uh, he's maybe spent more of his time secluded in some whatever cloister, wherever wherever he has uh, called home for so long uh, and has had all these trainings and all these, these spent time becoming like spiritually centered realize he doesn't know much about the world around him. And so adventuring sort of seems like a, a natural fit for that, to go out to experience the world, to meet new and interesting people, to exchange ideas and sort of see what the world is like. Uh, and I really wanted to latch onto that idea of almost like, almost like the David Carradine, like wandering through like the, the world, fixing the, the world's problems type deal. Uh, just happened to be a frog. So that's okay. Does, that's does your frog have a name? My frog's name is Ogwish. O G W I S H. Ogwish. That's awesome. Okay. Um, and he's, so, a little, he's a little green guy. And uh, for, for those of you at home, you're not going to get to see this, but I'm going to post it in the uh, D and D chat here that we have. But uh, yeah, so I will do that in a second. Are <laughs> uh, like, are they small or are they medium size? They're medium size. Um, they can be, they can be small. Um, they, they have the ability to, but he is, he's a medium. So, uh, that's Joe's character right now. We have to figure out stuff like, you know, how he meets everybody and who everybody is. Well, I mean, I think um, going up to, going up to the, uh, the adventurers guild and being like, hi, I want to see the world. Can I have friends? Feels like a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. The Pathfinder Society God, might, might help you that do that. Oh my God. This art is amazing. Oh, this is very good. I I have spent a long time doing it. Like I literally, since the time we announced it, I have been working on this character. Yes, Joe is like that. I obsess. It is what I do. So that's Gripley. Does seeing Gripley make anybody have any ideas as to what they want to play? Oh, actually, we know that Liz, you have a ratkin that you're playing. 
Yes, yes. So. I I am a rat folk alchemist, and also also I have a pet rat. And um, I'm I'm planning on doing a Chirangon. I'm probably not saying that right, which is kind of the healery focus for alchemists. Like, it's, it's, it's similar to surgeon in sound. It's surgeon. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's originally surgeon. Yeah. Uh, so I have a little more healing power. I kind of, I kind of have this idea, uh, that Phil gave me actually of like, she, she heals people by like stabbing them with alchemical EpiPens because otherwise, like by the book, you're like force feeding people potions and that just seems. Well, we can go with, um, we can go with something along those lines. The the (laughs) alchemical EpiPen idea. I like it. It's cool. Might want to make it like a little bit more primitive. Like maybe it's like mm-hmm. you have this big like glove thing that has you dip the uh, the the pointed bit on the palm and then you jam people with it. It's like a joy <laughs> buzzer, but with stabbing. <laughs> um, I've I've been playing around with a lot of her background, and I I'm not a hundred percent sure where I'm going to go with it, but I have this idea that she had gone to school to learn alchemy and magic. But school was really expensive, so she uh, bailed, like thinking she would make the money to go back and study. But you know, adventuring is uh, being out here is kind of fun, and there are lots of people who need uh, someone who can heal. Lots of people, lots of people pay for that. So, right? Do you have a name for it yet? Uh, Varsha. Okay. Any idea where Varsha is originally from? And I should ask that for uh, Agwish as well. If if you I, don't, if you don't know any better right now, don't worry about it. Uh, I do not know because I don't know a whole lot about the Pathfinder world. I've read a little bit about the place, but I don't know a lot. She is a desert rat folk. Mm-hmm. So if there's anything that might fit into that, that oh, could be a, few a good places. idea. Yeah, there's quite a few um, places. Um, for right now, we'll say that you ended up in Sandpoint. Literally, you had to get on a boat really fast and they ended mm-hmm. up taking you to Sandpoint. So we'll go with that. And you can work out why you had to get on that boat really fast. But yeah, uh, as far do, you, as, do, you, do you think you and Gripley have met yet? Uh, um, probably. Could have. I mean, I'm probably looking for anyone agreeable who maybe, you know, I'm I'm out here kind of looking to make money and learn more as I can, like looking for more alchemy formulas because yeah, there's lots to learn out here. But uh, Varsha would be inclined to like pal up with anyone who is who is agreeable. Yeah, and uh, I am from the. I, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this. Uh, the Mwangi Expanse. Yeah, uh, okay, Mwangi. The, a monastery, a monastery that sits uh, on the side of Lake Akato Akata. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's where he is from. All right. Uh, of the the other three of you, um, I assume Nick and Phil, you guys have both said you're undecided. So. Do you have any idea what you might be playing or are you pretty much still trying to flesh that out? I'm going to point out that right now this party consists of a monk and an alchemist. Uh, so just, just putting it out there that somebody, it would be nice if they had some kind of ranged ability. Just going to put that out there. I think that's I can throw I bombs. Can. Yes. Yes. I- <laughs> it's all very interesting that you can throw bombs. So I actually, I know the class I'd like to, I want to play a gunslinger. I think that where a lot of my undecidedness comes out is, or comes up to the forefront is mostly in terms of starting gear, because it, and Matt, please correct me if I'm wrong. It looks like at least until recently, most of the classes had like starting kits that they could choose from. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's, that's, that seems reasonable, but I don't remember like definitively. Yeah. I'm on like the, the, pathfinder the the path builder thingy and i'm at the point where like i have some stuff built out but like i don't have any gear and i'm not sure how to do that so i'm well, in the same boat as you man if if all else comes to you know i can basically just tell you guys you're gonna get recently you can get decent gear you can have you know good starting stuff uh in terms of like you know a gun you can't have a revolver um, but you could definitely right. have uh, w- w- the equivalent of flint locks. They're like magical flint locks. Uh, those kind of things exist um, in, in Pathfinder. They're kind of like weird. The gun- guns in Pathfinder are, are strange, but definitely you can have, I'll, I'll say you could have a long arm and uh, two short arms, which would basically be the equivalent of two pistols and a rifle. Perfect. I'll write that down. Um, as for everything else, I my character is going to be a human uh 
bounty hunter background by the name of Shiro, S-H-I-R-O. And I was, when I was going through the backgrounds and was reading the different ones, I had a hard time settling on it. But I mainly chose Gunslinger because of the actually Destiny 1, um, Hunter Vanguard, Cade 6. Kind of a clown in the game, but when you go through the deep lore, he's very, very money motivated. And, but sort of like chaotic, good Robin Hood, where, yes, I have just thrown a thousand bullets at something, but I ultimately bagged the bad guy, took him to jail, and got money out for him. So that's that's sort of where a lot of my inspiration came from. Um, kind of like I need some of the others, I need to be more familiar with like the major cities, but definitely mm-hmm. where Shiro is based is coming from a major city. Um, okay, the, in in uh, the area of Aresia, that would probably be Magnamar. Um, there's lots of people uh, who live in various places like that. Magnamar is a larger city. It's not by far not the largest city uh, in the world of Abs- the world of Pathfinder, which has its own name, and I'm always blanking on it. <laughs> Galarian, sorry, Galarian, the name of the world. Got it, but, got it. Yeah, you absolutely, yeah, that's not a problem. Magnamar is the biggest Verizian city, and you can certainly be from there. Perfect. Uh, as for that. why you're coming to Sandpoint, actually, there's a couple of reasons, which we can get into once we actually start running the adventure, but there are actually bounties to be collected here. Perfect. So. I When I, I, I downloaded the the player's guide that mm-hmm. you had posted us, and I, when I looked through Sandpoint, it's said and let me know if i'm getting too far ahead some murders are happening where that I is figured, correct there are murders happening in sandpoint that's what i was referring to cool so i figured once i saw that murder means something someone's out there murdering which means someone wants to pay to make it stop mm-hmm. yeah that is actually happening in sandpoint as we speak um well i mean not really sandpoint is a fictional place but you guys know where we're going <laughs> yeah i got you but that's about as far as i've made it um and yeah all right. Um, which leaves you, Phil. If you have any ideas, go for yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I think I had missed the part that murders were happening in Sandpoint. I just missed that Sandpoint needed people. And I think that kind of pulls me towards this idea I had of playing a halfling investigator. Oh, my God. It's a mini Columbo. <laughs> Sherlock Gnome. No, Sherlock, Sherlock Gnome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a gnome. I'm a halfling. Anyway. Uh, Okay, you, so you want to play a halfling investigator? That's fine. Are you native to Sandpoint, or are you coming in from some? Uh, I think he's probably from somewhere else in Varisia, but I don't right now. Okay, um, I will tell you right now. There's a couple of pos- really good possibilities for that. Um, obviously, Magnamar because it is you know the big one of the bigger cities. There's also though the towns like Melfesh, which has a lot of problems. Um, so yeah, there are places we can work on that later. But for right now. I mean, there's also, you know, there's the city of Corvosa. Uh, Corvosa's got, it's not as big as Magnamar, but it's, it's, it's got a good deal of history. It used to be, there used to be a bunch of devil-worshipping uh, Chelish soldiers had conquered uh, Corvosa for a long period of time, but they've been driven out since. Um, in terms of, Corvosa's as big as Magnamar, kinda, but it's, it's like, you know how, Chicago is always kind of like dealing with the fact that everybody like thinks New York is the best, even though Chicago thinks it's the best. That's kind of Corvosa and Magnamar. Magnamar is like, hey, we're Magnamar. Corvosa is like Magnamar. So, but you don't have to be from there. There's there's other places. I, I kind of like the idea of Corvosa. I like the idea of him maybe being like uh, someone who comes from a bigger city and kind of gets things done and stays below everyone's notice. Pun slightly intended. Gotcha. Alrighty. Um, so right now, feel free to make changes. Uh, you didn't ask me. I'm going to. I'm getting there. Uh, feel free to make changes as you guys go on. Uh, finally, Anne, yeah. uh, you said Elfrog. Uh, do you know? Elf do you know Rogue. the deal about elves in? No. In, okay, elves in Galarian have an interesting problem in that they basically left. They kind of did the whole Lord of the Rings. Uh, by we're going west, and Ooh. then they had to come back because there was a horrible monster tree demon was ruining everything. So there's a lot of elves who had to just kind of run back because everything was, was not the way it was. Supposed to. Um, you don't have to be one of those. You could be one of the ones who was born here and stayed here. Maybe one who's born here recently and didn't. I was going to say the ones, the ones from the expanse, the, uh, Savaran never left. Yeah. There's lots of, of elves who didn't go anywhere. Okay. Um, but the, there's also a bunch of elves who did and came back kind of messed up. Uh, I think they're called the harrowed or the hollow elves. 
Uh, you can play them, you can, or you can just play a straight-up normal elf. There's plenty of... The way Ancestry works in this game, there's lots of options. You could be a tiefling elf if you wanted to be. Um, for Ancestry, because... I went with Nimble Elf. Okay. Um, right. And for Heritage, I went with Whisper Elf. Alrighty. Then I was just fine. using the basic things, and then I had like a, a basic kind of what she's about. But mm -hmm. I don't know if it fits within the lore. So that's where you're in, right? Well, get, um, go ahead, lay it on me, and we'll see what we okay. can do. So her name is Swift Flickerwind, but she just goes by Swift. And um, she, her background, she's an entertainer, but she's also a rogue uh, with like the scoundrel racket. <laughs> so uh, her deal, she wanders the world. Nobody really knows where she's from. Um, she just like wanders from place. No. Does she? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I don't know enough about the world to like pinpoint where she's from. Um, just she never mentions where her origins are or anything like that. What she's looking for, though, she's a storyteller and she's always looking for more interesting, weird, cool, strange things to regale people with. Because the more stories she has in her pocket, the more stuff she can get away with. Um, she has the impressive performance skill feat. So, like, She's really good at getting people's attention, and she's really good at distracting people <laughs> while other shit is going on. Um, and I feel like in this instance, uh, how she came to Sandpoint, uh, she pulled an Aladdin somewhere else and then hopped a ship before they decided to like take her to task for whatever it was she had done and basically ended up here as like stowaway. Um and my whole conceit is, man, a frog dude and a rat chick and like all this. Uh, that's interesting. Sure. I'll hang out with them. We'll do some stuff. We'll find some stories. It's all good. All right. Uh, what I'm going to throw out for you guys to think about and decide whether or not you think that's an interesting idea is that um, Aguish and Varsha had basically gone to the Pathfinder Society as their first stop in town because... They, for one thing, it's a, a lot of humans and not that many uh, Gropley mm. or, or, or rat folk here. Although there are a couple of rat folk. There are no mm. other Gripply here. He, uh, Agwish is the only other Um But there are a couple of other rat folk here. Um, they seem to work for a local family, which is kind of weird. Um, you know, why does this family have a bunch of rat folk working for it? But they seemed nice enough when you came into town. They, they greeted you and pointed you to the Pathfinder Society. So the two of you ended up there uh, where... You stumbled upon Nick's um, Shiro, who was basically showing up to find out about the, the murders in town, uh, which are currently being called the Skinsaw Murders, which is just a lovely name for murders, really. You got to think about that one. Yay. Um, but he he hasn't really got any, they, they weren't any really great leads as yet. There's, there's just lots of concern from the town, the municipality, um, that sort of thing. As a result, uh, he didn't really have any objection to working with the two of you because, you know, he's not from here either. Um, so the three of you decided that you were going to go and look into these murders. Um, then you noticed this elf following you around, not trying to hide it. She's not sneaking. She just is acting like she's in your group. Like one second, it was the three of you that left. And then suddenly there's this elf who's just going everywhere you're going. Every time you try to find out who she is and what she wants, she's just super friendly and tells you nothing. But tells you nothing over the course of like several minutes. It's, it's astonishing how little you, information you get from every single one of these exchanges, despite the fact that you are having them pretty constantly. At this point, after about a day of this, you've just decided she seems harmless. Maybe she's helpful. Maybe she's the murderer, in which case, great. <laughs> she's right there and we can get her. Um, you're not entirely sure what to make of her, but you, you've decided to take her in for now. She, she can be part of the group. And that's when Columbo showed up. Uh, do you have a better name for him than Columbo? Right yeah, now, right now his name is Tarn Summerbloom. Tarn Summerbloom. Look at me. I'm writing stuff down. Um, I love that name. I love it. Tarn was actually the next day when you guys come back into the Pathfinder Society saying, hey, uh, we'd like to take that job, but we really needed some more information. They're like, well, we have, a we have an expert who's in from Corvosa who might be able to help you. And so you're introduced to Tarn Summerbloom, who it, I, I don't know how you're going to play Tarn. So we'll figure out how this meeting went when we actually start running the game. But Tarn essentially becomes the group's gumshoe for lack of a better word, the, the, the person who's the investigator who knows the most about investigating. And you guys are essentially the muscle and the, the healing and the chaos 
in the case of the elf who's following everybody around, Tarn keeps really trying to find out what Swift's whole deal is because that's he's an investigator. That's what they do. They investigate and nothing. Just you're not at this point. Tarn isn't even sure she knows where she's from or what she's doing, but she's extremely nice about it. So there's that. Um, but that's the basics. Uh, what do you guys think you're going to call yourselves, if anything? Do you have a name in mind yet? You don't have to, uh, but I like to ask because then I will just register it and it'll it'll be in there. It can also come out through gameplay if you'd rather wait and see what happens during the game. I don't think Aguish would, would feel pretty inclined to name anything. The universe sort of provides a name through action in his mind. So he's pretty cool to just go along with the flow with whatever happens or whatever anybody else wants to call it. Yeah, I think I think we should just let it happen in gameplay, honestly. That's fair. Um if everybody agrees with that, uh mm-hmm. we'll just we'll just take that as written. I'll second that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Unfortunately, you guys listening can't see me typing. So whilst I'm going, oh, this is good, <laughs> you got nothing. And so I'm trying to talk more. <laughs> you, to, you, you, know you know, you know that we're not live, so I can just edit this out. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but I like to provide these little backstage things. <laughs> and for those listening at home, I am not actually medium. I'm small. I am a small guy. Okay. It's, it's good to know these things. Um, you and Also uh, small, but there's a whole group of us now. Listen, I was actually going to say, at this point... Um, all of us stack up on top three of out each of five, other. Three out of five of you are small. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is the human the tallest one? I don't well, know what size elves are in this Elves universe. are actually very tall. Tall oh, and okay. tall and thin uh, in Pathfinder. I will work to get you some pictures of the current elves. In fact, I might have one from the article I wrote years ago. But regardless, um, yeah, elves are extremely tall, thin. There's an alien beauty about them that kind of puts some people off and makes other people get kind of weird and stalkery. Uh, they are definitely not human, and they don't just look like like little humans or you know thin old humans or whatever. They look different. Uh, in a way that is hard to determine. It's like it's like they carry around a piece of, of the realms of fairy inside their souls. Uh, or if you know you're not into that kind of thing, they they carry a piece of it. This just seems around, perfectly but, normal to me. Yeah, <laughs> everything's perfectly normal to you because you have no baseline. Ex- well, no, I have I have a baseline on elves. Yeah, but you don't have a baseline on the world. That's true. The el- and plus the elves that you're used to are from, as you pointed out, they're from Wangi. They're the ones who decided to stay. You don't know. Uh, what Swift's deal is. but So that handles that. Uh, and again, if you guys decide you want to play something different, that is totally okay. We can make it work. Uh, I exist to facilitate your guys' you know, role-playing stuff and, and role-play vicariously through you by playing a whole bunch of people. But you're in Sandpoint. Uh, there, as we said, you know, there's murders going on, and you guys are going to be investigating said murders because, for one thing, the, the city government's hiring you. They, they're they're paying you through the Pathfinder Society, which is more than happy to facilitate that kind of thing because, much like Swift, they get stories out of it. <laughs> uh, Pathfinder Society is all about picking up stories, uh, cataloging events. They're they're more sticklers for truth in that they want the stories that they tell to be at least primarily true stories. They they don't you you, you can keep the embellishment to a minimum. That'd be great. Uh, but but they do definitely. They're all about stories. They they want to know what's going on. They want to know the details. They they're really into that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, I think that covers that. Before um, we do anything else, I do want to ask. Okay, so who here? You guys have have gotten into the group now. Everybody here is in the group. Uh, the one that's on uh, Pathfinder Nexus. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Um. Who's using their character builder versus the uh, one I sent, the path builder one? I cannot use the path builder one because it does not have Gripply. Okay. I'm, I'm using path builder right now. That's All what right. I'm using. Um, if you're using path builder, uh, send me a copy of your character sheet. Done. So I can look at it and I'll figure out stuff like for gear for people who need me to do that and get it back to you. Um, if you're using the one on uh, Nexus, I'm pretty sure you can just link stuff to me via the Nexus one. So if you're using that, do that. Uh, and I'll, I'll go over everything. I'll probably be doing that tonight uh, if the shoulder doesn't start behaving because I ain't sleeping. Uh, so we'll look at that and get that ready to go. I want to talk now the, the most difficult thing, the hardest boss in any role-playing game, scheduling. <laughs> when do you guys think you could be available for like the first actual session? I, we need to get everything set up first, but you guys think you can go, do a game in October? Yeah. 
yeah um i know that as we get later into october it's going to get harder for you man yeah it is yeah. going to get harder for that's kind of why i'm trying to get it earlier in october um, say you know the first week november is where it actually gets really crazy so like october yeah. october is fine i'm available on saturdays and sundays so all right um then i i i know joe and liz usually will work to make something work uh um, yeah phil and nick you guys are new to us running games uh Here's where you need to help me out. Is there a day in particular you can do in October, uh, preferably earlier if possible? Uh, I can do, so I'm like, and I can also do Saturdays and Sundays. Um, the first two Saturdays are both going to be busy for me. Um, okay. But after that, um, Saturdays and Sundays should both be open outside of another game I'm scheduling around on Sundays, which I can give you the dates for that. We know those well in advance. Alrighty. Um, for myself, I can do saturdays and sundays um the only saturday in october that i cannot do is october 7 after that i'll be around um in november it does get a little i'll have random sports throughout the day where i'll be blocked off but once i know those i'll link them in our chat so that you can be well aware of and i can work around it all right all right cool well i will gonna i'm gonna send an email on this kind of stuff right after we're done here here's where as you guys have pointed out, you don't really know the world. And I can't give you the whole world of Galarian uh, in the amount of time we have, even if we had like an hour and a half for me to sit here and just talk. Nor would that be tremendously fun for anybody because it'd be like being stuck at a party with me. And trust <laughs> me, that that's you know, people don't like that. So what I am going to do is say, um, I have access to the the you know various books. I've got all that stuff. I don't have it all on, on the uh, Nexus yet, but I should soon, or at least I'm trying to. But I will say that for Sandpoint and Verizia, Verizia is essentially, you, you ever hear like about like, well, wow, you know, this, this ancient empire once lived in this place, but now they're gone. Imagine if that kept happening. Like one ancient mm -hmm. magical empire after another came in, conquered the place, ruled it for a while, and then either vanished, was destroyed, or was greatly reduced in status. Just so over the past, go ahead. So basically like in the comics where they keep building Gotham on the bones of the previous Gotham. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's like, um, yeah, it's like if Krypton exploded, but they just built another Krypton out of the Kryptonite. Yeah, seems like there again. Um, Verizia sort of has that kind of problem. Uh, in the distant ancient past, there was the 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 Empire. That, like, I don't even know what to call them. They were like the Atlans. Uh, the, they were a powerful magical empire. They were destroyed by a the basically a giant asteroid coming from the sky and smashing into their capital city that asteroid is today known as the star stone and it is in the city um there's a there's a city in the ocean and i'm blanking on the name but absalom absalom's the name of the city i always have to say i'm blanking before my brain will tell me yeah that's <laughs> a thing but that's how it works every time that's the password to make your brain yeah. cough up absalom is is a very large city it's built around on an island um, the last remaining bit of that old place. And inside the heart of Absalom is a giant temple called the Starstone Temple. And if you can somehow get to the Starstone through the temple and you reach the Starstone, you have a chance to become a god. The temple was built by the last god to, to pull that off. Um, but he's gone now. His name was Aroden. And for some reason, he recently seems to have died. All of his his priests can no longer hear him or speak to him. They no longer have their magical powers unless they they've joined the faith of his, for lack of a better word, his protege, um, a woman named uh, oh, holy heck, and I'm doing it again. And she she'd really be famous, Saren Ray. That's her name, uh, Saren Ray, who was his, for lack of a better word, his backup. And Iomedae is another one. They're, they they've taken over some of his worshippers, but a lot of them are just don't plain old don't have a god anymore but there's still the star zone another god named caden kalian who is like the god of drinking literally he's the god of drinking carousing and having a good time he got to be a god without knowing how he did it because he was so drunk when he went into the star zone chamber that he doesn't remember what happened he just remembers waking up and being a god that seems fine uh, yeah so, didn't he didn't he like take the test on a dare yes someone <laughs> dared him to do it and he was so unbelievably sloshed that he thought it was a good idea so that's the the origin of kind of the the current civilizations of um what's called avistan the the ocean that's that's around here the, the oldest is the Mwangi expanse as joe was mentioning they're not actually part of avistan they're further to the south but they have the world's oldest surviving magical uh 
university and the oldest magical tradition and their nation has been basically unconquered by all the other kind of empires that have risen up over the years. They've essentially been able to defend themselves from everybody and, and keep to their traditions. Um, they are, they're like probably one of the few powerful world empires that haven't come and messed around in, in, in Varizia, but just about everybody else has. Um, Besides the 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 Atlans and their their empire, which was destroyed when the Starstone crashed, there was another empire after that that was created by refugees that had you know escaped the destruction of Atlan and then took over the area. Very little is known about them though because it was very very distant past, and they're the ancestors of the Varigian people, but their culture is almost completely unknown. Like it's just mm. nobody knows much about them. Uh, Corvosa is the only one that's even got any really good relics left. Uh, one of the points of pride it, it holds over Magnamar when they get a chance to. Varizia as a country has got a lot of different areas. It's got, you know, good old forest. It's got dark evil forest because, you know, you got to have dark evil forest too. There's <laughs> actually several mountainous and desert like regions to the north, um, like the Kodar Mountains. And there's the. Uh, the the cinder lands to the south of those and the cinder lands are what you expect from a place called the cinder lands super hot desert mm-hmm. um then there's the woodlands to the center uh which is where most of the people who live in varicia live that's the the, the, the uh i want to say the churwood but i'm not really good at reading right now with the eyes but there, there are various places like that it, it, there's a diversity of, of places to live and be from there's uh you know there's christian to the north uh the peridot isle you know stuff like that San you know sand peak is um not sand peak sandport sandpoint ah it's right in front of me sandpoint is <laughs> you know to the south uh kind of in the varesian gulf which is a very large body of water that sort of breaks up the uh the west of Varesia like it's it's going like there's there's like lakes and rivers and you're going west 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 and suddenly this is big gulf and it has like a spar of land if you've ever been to like San Francisco and you've got the you know it's the you know San Mateo mountains going up and San, it, it's in that it's like that where you've got that the gulf coming in from that area and that's where a lot of the fishing is is strongest because it's where the sea you know sea life meets fresh and brackish water life the the Sandpoint is to the south of that, and it's the Varigian Gulf, as you go more towards the ocean, obviously becomes more brackish and eventually becomes actually outright saltwater. Um, mm-hmm. As you go inland, it starts going from brackish to freshwater because the, the rivers are feeding into it. And the rivers come down from the mountains. Uh, they come down from Kodar. And, uh, you know, Magnamar is up in that direction. It is, if it's not bigger than Corvosa, it's more... Like Corvosa is a big sprawling city. It's, it's the kind of place like London in the 1600s, where there was like just neighborhood after neighborhood, and you just kept going. Uh, you could see different places all around it. Magnamar has giant basalt walls. Like this is a place that is literally built under the threat of giant attack its entire existence. And uh, the dwarves came and helped them build these enormous basalt walls. And the place is very heavily fortified. So that's the basics of the area. The thing to know about the native Varesian people is that, again, they have been conquered and have fought their way free of conquest like multiple times. Just in the past couple hundred years, the uh, Taldor Empire, which was the biggest empire to the south and east of here, came in and conquered Varesia and a whole bunch of other areas too. And just as Varesia was trying to figure out a way to get out of that, Taldor essentially fell because mm. a bunch of it's uh, a bunch a bunch of Taldorian um, um, citizens had fallen to devil worship and started Cheliax, which was a was a former colony equally as conquered by the uh, the Taldorans, and they started Cheliax and started you know straight up praying to devils, and now they have their hell knights, and they not only got free, they took Varisia with them. And Varisia wasn't thrilled about this whole concept. They were like, yay, freedom, boo, devils, actual devils. <laughs> um, so after a bit of back and forth contesting, the uh, Varisians, who who aren't necessarily, they don't have a tradition of magic use exactly, mm-hmm. but what they have is a tradition of nomadic lifestyle. A lot of native-born Varisians uh, don't live in the cities, don't live in villages or towns. They live in caravels. They live in, in convoys that they travel the area in because, you know, it's, if it's, if it's no good here, go over there. Um, but they have some surprisingly 
intricate knowledge of fate and destiny. They can read it apparently in, in ways that others don't seem to be able to. And they use those abilities to basically help them get the Cheliacs out. Uh, there are still some Cheliacs in Magnamar kind of, they've got like a, a compound that is considered to be part of the Cheliaxian empire, um, essentially like a diplomatic place. But other than that, they've basically been driven out. Um, and they're not happy about it. They they plot and scheme as as actual bleeping devil worshippers tend to do. Uh, but for right now, they're they're gone. Um, there's places like uh, Brine Wall um, and you know uh, Califia near the mountains, and these these are held over by people who are Chelaxian by descent, but they're not part of Chelax. And a lot of them were like perfectly happy to not be part of it because they're not devil worshippers. There are in fact a whole lot of Chalaxian refugees who, cause Chalax is, is not, it's just to the South of, of, of Verizia. There's a whole lot of refugees from Chalax who come to Verizia to get away from the devil worship. Um, that it's not their thing. Uh, it, they're not like, you know, they don't think that they can stop them, but they need to get out. So they do. Um, and so there's places like that. Corvosa has a lot of those. Magnamar has got a lot of people from, it's it's got a lot of dwarves. It's got a lot of people from the the lands of the mammoth lords, uh, who are like barbarians who live to the south, I mean to the north. And there's a bunch of others. Uh, it, it's sort of a very cosmopolitan city where people come and settle and trade and sometimes go out and hunt bounties or whatever you were looking for. There, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Sandpoint, however, has always been relatively quiet. Um, there's there's one family that's that's in charge. Uh, if I had the module in front of me, I could tell you what their names were, but unfortunately I, I downloaded it and then don't know where I put it. So, um, but yes, there's, there's one family that's in charge. The uh, youngest daughter of that family is actually very popular in town. And she's not, she's not popular in town because she's like a, you know, a convention goer or whatever. She actually goes around <laughs> helping people out. Uh, she is essentially doing the work that her you know family should be doing, but mostly isn't like her brother is, nowhere to be found and her her father is apparently distraught about something there's very little known about this by other way it is it is a private matter but they are you know they're there and there's um a lot going on in standpoint besides that there's there's goblin tribes in the area and there's dispute as to what to do to, about that because some of some standpointers are like let's just go burn them all out others are like you know that's they're they're minding their own business they're not coming into Sandpoint. Why do we have to do anything to them? Um, occasionally, a couple of goblins even come into trade. Uh, they don't have a lot that the people from Sandpoint want. Uh, for instance, for example, it's really hard to offer people coin to buy fish if you're handing it to them with the hand of the previous owner still attached <laughs> to the bag. Uh, this tends to put people off. But there is a there is a small possibility of detente with the goblins. There's other kinds of threats in the Churlwood and other forests, but it's, it's all, there's a fairly well-established trade route out. Um, they trade with people all over, obviously Sandpoint be in, besides being a fishing village does have a really a functional dock. It does have people who come and go from other lands, pretty much any country in the world. It would be quite possible, for example, for a uh, Gripply to have come here from Wangi because there are, there are in fact um, a group of, deep sea fishers for, for Moangi who actually come up and fish in the waters off of Istan during the summer months when it's warmest up here. Um, as to why they do that, um, it's because the fishing is good. And you also must because follow, they, you must follow the fish. Yeah. They go where the fish is. Uh, okay. Um, one other thing is there's the goblin song. This is not written by the people of Sandpoint, but somebody has been putting it on the walls lately and it's starting to freak people out. So, when you guys were doing your investigation, several people would have pointed you to this song. And the, and the song goes like this. And I'm going to try and do it in a voice. I apologize if it doesn't work. I'm doing the best I can. Goblin chew and goblin bite. Goblin cuts and goblin fight. Stabs the dog and cuts the horse. Goblins eat and take by force. Goblins rage and goblins jump. Goblins slash and goblins bump. Burn the skin and mash the head. Goblin's hair and you be dead. Chase the baby, catch the pup. Bonk the head to shut it up. Bones be cracked, flesh be stewed. We be goblins, you be food. Now again, it's people have pointed out that's a little bit kind of too good at rhyming to be written by goblins. But others have pointed out that it's terrible rhyming, so maybe it is. <laughs> um, 
Regardless, that's currently the only clue to any of the murders, uh, is that that's been written on several walls where the murders happened. That pretty much covers all the pre-adventure stuff that I was thinking of putting in. Um, well, there is there yeah. is one thing we didn't go really cut. Go ahead, Liz. You first. I was wondering how big of a town Sand is. It's, um, it's bigger than your usual starting D&D Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pathfinder has these pretty big. It's a reasonable sized town. Let's say it's probably a town of at least 500 people, mm-hmm. if not closer to a thousand. Uh, because of the fishing being the major draw to the area, as the fishing comes and goes, so do people. Like, as we're kind of getting towards the summer festival here, that it's mid, it's heading towards midsummer. And as a result of that, the town's population might be as high as two or three thousand. Uh, Partially because people would be in there, fit would be staying in town while they're going fishing. They would like stay in the town for a couple of days and fish for a week, and then come back to town for a couple of days and then fish for a week. That sort of thing. Think like the you know, there's you know, if you've ever seen you know, deadliest catch, it's that's kind of in there. Too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Various stuff like that. Um, the, but the festival is going to be happening uh, within a few weeks, and that's got people coming because it's it's a the Verisian Verisian festivals are are considered worth seeing. Even if you're not Verisian, like they're, they're the Verisian people as a whole, like their whole culture celebrates things. It isn't it isn't a culture that likes to focus on the negative. Like if someone dies, they don't lament their death; they celebrate their life. Um, if a baby is born, you don't talk about oh no, it's got a club foot. You celebrate that it got born at all. Um, they're, they're that kind of group, and they tend to have parties at the drop of a hat. When they now have time, when they actually have a reason to have a party, much like, you know, it's midsummer. Oh, oh, heck. Yeah. Stuff is going to happen. Uh, people are going to do things they regret. There's going to be substances consumed that nobody even knows what they were. Uh, it, it, it's a fun time. The, the town is not entirely native regions. There's people of Taldor and Chalaxian and other backgrounds, but that, that kind of love of life has sort of seeped in, which is why they're so upset that murders are happening. Like, you're really not supposed to be murdering people at all, but you really shouldn't be murdering them in the middle of the festival. I mean, come on, guys. We're trying to run up on this thing here, and you're killing people. Um, you get the sense in your dealings with the the Pathfinder Society and the the town as, as a whole that a lot of the desire here is not necessarily to stop the murderers so much as to stop the murderer for a while. Like they, <laughs> they may have hired you guys just to keep him, so, like, make it so that he doesn't want to be out committing murders until after the festival. And then they'll, they can worry about it then. Kind of kicking the can down the road sort of thought. But yeah. Uh, Joe, what were you going to ask? So there's one thing that we, since we're doing a session zero and the background information is absolutely fantastic. And now that we know what everybody's sort of playing, there's one question that I always like to ask the people that I'm playing with before we actually get into any actual play sessions. And that is, what type of game are you looking to have? Yeah, that's actually good. So... Uh, for example, I tend to really like narrative and role-playing centered stuff because that's just who I am. Um, I don't mind combat. It is generally not my favorite thing in role-playing games most of the time. Uh, and I tend to enjoy more of a cinematic interaction with the world at large. Um, so that's me. What about you guys? Um, I'll jump in and I, I'm actually in the same boat as Joe. Uh, I like to be more narrative focused. Uh, and while combat's fun, I do also think that, um, at least, you know, being, being new to this system, at least, is not that so much as is intimidating, but it's something, the narrative portion is much, makes it much easier to lean towards. Yeah, narrative is narrative, yeah. Mm -hmm. I will say that, to, to be fair to the system, it is actually pretty simple to grasp. Uh, Combat in Pathfinder 2 is, if anything, a lot faster to run than than in other games of its type. Uh, The three-action economy, which I have talked about ad nauseum, is really just uh, very convenient. So yeah, that much is not really... uh, We now have Joe and Nick. Uh, Anne, I think I already know your answer, but I'm going to give you the opportunity to give it to me anyway. I mean, you know me. I always love a good story. I do love combat, don't get me wrong. Like, Oh, yeah combat can be super wacky and fun at times and we know because we've played those games <laughs> but like, like the airship with the undead anyway <laughs> regardless yeah I, I i like doing the role play and the stuff like that and i do like the story heavy stuff i am good with combat i i, I like doing combat but as long as it's not like oversaturated with combat i am okay. cool if a session is nothing but role playing okay 
That's actually good to know. Um, Liz and Phil, uh, either of you want to go? Um, I am also really big on the narrative and role playing, but I do feel like you need, uh, you know, combat sometimes provides you like those big hero moments and kicking butt. Really, yeah. Yeah. Where you can really show off cool things you can do. Um, and I mean, one of the things I'm kind of interested in Pathfinder is kind of seeing how that system works and doing at least, you know, yeah, throwing bombs at people for fun and profit. Uh, but yeah, narrative exploration is always fun, kind of digging into the world and seeing places that is in role playing. Uh, so like, it kind of sounds like I may be the most combat focused person in this group. And I'm just like, mm, yeah, we should have some combat sometimes. No, I do love a good combat scene. Like I said, that's like where some of the wackiest, most fun stuff yeah, happens. Yeah, and, and I don't I, mind. It can be crazy. Yeah, and I don't mind combat either. It's more, I've played in games in the past where everybody at the table just wanted to roll dice uh, mm, yeah, and yeah. wanted to be basically mainly be doing that. And that is usually when I'm not at my happiest, um, if that's the only thing there is. So oh, that's when, that's when I a hundred percent check out. <laughs> uh, Phil. Uh, so you check out when there's nothing but combat. Yeah. I'm, I, I like a balance of mine. Like I like to tell a good story. Um, I like having it maybe be punctuated with these cool action moments. Um, that's kind of one of the things that drew me to the investigators. They kind of, it seems like they lean really heavily into the kind of narrative mystery solving kind of story gameplay. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and then stab people with uh, intelligence, apparently. Um, <laughs> I've been reading my character sheet while we were talking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> always a good thing to do um yeah i'm definitely i'm I, I like both sides of the gameplay the fact that you uh say that it's faster definitely intrigues me like i haven't actually played I mean, that it's not like I, you know i've not played not Pathfinder like, 2e yeah. so i'm very interested to see how that goes it's still basically around the idea of turns and all that but it is i think it's a little simpler uh in some ways it's more complicated than yeah. I'm, I'm here i'm here for that i'm here for i'm i'm just here to uh see what happens it's very interesting i'll me. be up front with you guys as the uh, gm for this thing i haven't run pathfinder 2 yet like mm-hmm. I've, I've run pathfinder the original one but i have not run pathfinder 2 yet i've played in a couple of games uh, a couple of one-offs but i haven't run it i will make mistakes uh, and you're going to notice some and you're not going to notice others. We'll deal with that as they happen. But I will tell you two things. One is that, of course, everybody here who's played with me before knows that I I like do like narrative and like storytelling, but I also like throwing surprises at people. Yes. Uh, it is possibly... Like the hand and eye effect. Yeah. It's one of the things <laughs> I like the most. I am going to be toning it down a bit because this isn't my adventure. It's, it's a pre-written one. I will be making changes to make it stronger. Uh, and more importantly, because that way, if somebody picks up the book, they won't just know everything that's going to happen. But I, I will be respecting the, the adventure because it's one of the, the the keystones of Pathfinder success. And it's a good adventure, so I'm I'm definitely looking forward to running it. In terms of my balance, I'm actually probably the closest to fifty fifty hmm. of anybody because I like watching players kick the living heck out of my monster. Yeah. Even when I make really hard monsters that should not be getting the heck kicked out of them. That, that's one of the things I enjoy. I don't like killing the party. I am not, that's not me. There are DMs who are totally into that. TPKs make them happy. I'm not one of those. Uh, I don't like doing that, but I do like running combats. I probably, it'll pr- probably be rare that we don't get something, either a combat or Pathfinder's got a really good opposed skill type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, that, which I want to play around with, uh, there's all sorts of checks you can make and things you can try and do to use the abilities you have to, to get information and get resolution. You could have an entire combat that consists of cutting remarks, <laughs> uh, which is something I'm, I'm looking forward to playing around. Um, but for the first session, I can Fight like a dairy farmer <laughs> for, for, for the first session, I can say pretty, pretty fairly and unambiguously that when your characters start off on a burning airship about to crash land into a haunted mansion, you will know I am running this. <laughs> this is a joke uh, for people listening to the recording based on the fact that every previous adventure I've run for these guys there, something was on fire or, uh, you know, I think one of them, they woke up trapped in a, goblin mountain and the only reason any of them woke up was hold on a second no no that that one was a goblin mountain that we were trapped inside of that there's lava everywhere with mind control harnesses on everything that then we escaped onto an airship that was then burning yes because a dragon like you know (laughs) matt likes fire i like fire but more importantly i like just throwing people into the fire 
Uh, mm-hmm. that, that, that way they have to react quickly. Like but that, that time that you teleported us to the last level because we literally wouldn't go there? Yeah. <laughs> but mm. the, I will say this next week is going to start in town. Uh, it's going to start in a local place. I don't I, I don't want to tell you guys exactly where, but it's not going to be it, no burning boats, nothing like that. that. That much I know. So I'm going to, set, like I said, I'm going to send the email out uh, probably later tonight because, quite frankly, after we get done, I've been talking for an hour and I want to. Um, but I'm going to send the email out saying, okay, sometime in October, how do these days work for you guys? And hopefully we can run the first game by then. I want to, I'm going to go try to make sure everybody gets their character ready before that. I am available. If I don't respond immediately, I will respond. Um, you can DM me in discord. You can send me an email. Uh, you might want to do both. Uh, you can try and contact me on the, uh, the Nexus, but they're not, it's not doing great on giving me notifications. So that's not, that's not cool. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I've got all this stuff written down, which is great. Because I actually will be able to remember your guys' names. Um, yeah. I do think Tarn Summerbloom is a cool name. That's, that's actually really good. <laughs> that's one of those things I kind of wish I'd come up. All right. Uh, any last things before we, we wrap up this session zero, anything uh, I'm going to say right now, if unless you, I'm going to give you guys two options here. One is you can basically, the two of us will will go back and forth on your starting equipment, or I can just give you a lump sum and you can just buy it out of the book, hmm. which whichever one you would prefer. Um, and we'll 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 handle that. Everyone will will individually handle it. We don't have to do, resolve okay. it now, so that way you don't have to worry. People are going to like pay attention to which one you went with. But that way, I, I want people to start off like people who have been adventuring for a while. Mm-hmm. You you guys are level one because that's a mechanical thing. That's the game, but your your characters are not new to this. You, you didn't just start doing this, or if you did just start doing it, you started doing it like a month or four months or half a year ago. Uh, while we you have still, experience. Yeah, you've got experience. And more importantly, some of you are very far away from home. Even the people who aren't very far away from home are not home. Like Magnamar is the distance between Magnamar and Sandpoint is like 70 miles. Uh, and the distance from Corvosa is like 50. So these are not like, this is not a jaunt, especially in a world with like, you know, with monsters in the woods and goblins who might kill you and then use your gold to try and buy stuff. There's dangers and so forth getting from place to place. So if you've traveled to get to Sandpoint, you've overcome them. So nobody here is a fresh faced, never done nothing, don't know what's going on. So I want people to have reasonable starting gear for their characters to, to, mm-hmm. to, to go with that idea. Um, you, the fact that you're even in the game implies you there you cut out i didn't mean to but anyway the fact that you're even there in sandpoint means that you've done something most people don't especially uh um um, aguish who has done something absolutely most people don't do in their lives which is travel from a wangi as a giant frog person or i'm small i'm a small frog person (laughs) you're the biggest frog person most of them know that's fair i've never seen a frog that big in my entire whole life he's the biggest frog we know (laughs) <laughs> the smallest <laughs> frog we know i don't know any frogs man but okay it's gonna really uh, freak them out when i start walking up walls yes well i sent you my character sheets so far it's a pdf so you can like zoom in and stuff sure well, thank you I that's why i sent mine as a pdf too for you yeah i'm looking forward to uh doing some gear because i mean i'm gonna be living that austere life because i mean yeah. all i really need is my mm-hmm. stick my stick my hatchet and my fist i'm good I will, I, I will tell you I would like a ranged weapon as well as melee if that's possible. Yeah, sure. That's absolutely cool. Right. I mean, I, I do think the book has starting kits for most classes yeah, listed. It it's just... Uh, I didn't see it on the thing that I was on. That's why... Yeah, it's like, actually in it? the book. So yeah. uh, if, if okay. since I have the book, technically I'm sharing it through Nexus, so you should be able to read it. Uh, even if you, you know, it, it's there and you should be able to look at it. But I've got it on my iPad, so if worse comes to worse, I can just go over it with you and get you what you need um yeah i guess that's basically it um again unless anybody else has anything else i want to say no no i'm actually starting to poop out because again i got like the flu shot and the covid yeah, shot yeah. yesterday and i'm like i want another nap actually you know that sounds really <laughs> good right about now yeah <laughs> all right so we're gonna break up for a nap Alrighty, i i am not not against this nap concept uh all right uh thank you guys so much for being here um the phil and Nick, thanks for giving me the opportunity to, I don't know what you call me running a game is, but for letting me do that to you. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> Joe, Ann, and Liz, you've seen me do this before and you came back. So, I mean, you're as I, much I'm as I'm obligated as I am. to be here. Like, I have to. It's always fun. 
Joe it's also, always fun. I will point out, Joe says um, Archives of Nethys is another really good resource. I did link on it at one point, and they do have a wiki that is essentially the PDF. It's, yes. it's essentially the, the OGL mm-hmm. version of the game. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely good to go through and look up specific stuff on it. It's not as good for oh hey I want to browse through yeah. this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good it's a it's a good digital reference point. And for yeah. those of you at home, like if it's something that you're kind of interested in or following along as like you're listening to when we do actually do the live play and we mention abilities or spells or things like that, the archives of Nethys is a really good way to break down, especially for spells and abilities, because you can search mm-hmm. specifically for it. It gives you the blurb and then also tells you what page on the book it is actually yep. in, yeah. so that you yeah, can go and find it, which is really really nice. Yeah, it's basically like having a, a, it's like having a a a digital index ready to go. Uh, So yeah, do check that out. Definitely recommend that. I'm just happy that I that we get to play together. It's been too long. Yep, it has been too long. Uh, But yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, Take care, everybody. Uh, Everybody listening, take care as well. Uh, Thank you guys so much, and we'll uh, see you when we get the first game done. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.